the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Obedience at all costs? That's today's topic on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. The law offices of Joshua Coleman were established in 2015 in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Licensed to practice law in both Texas and Florida, this firm will handle your criminal defense or personal injury case. Having worked in the prosecutor's office for four years, Josh knows how the prosecution thinks, works, and even assembles a case. That's why he's the right attorney for you. Have you been wrongly arrested or unlawfully arrested for exercising your constitutional rights? Or if you just made a mistake and need honest expert representation to help you navigate those legal options, then the law offices of Joshua Kuhlman should be your first call. I know Josh personally. An avid hunter and outdoorsman, Josh loves this country that the Lord has blessed us with. He will represent you well today. Give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Be sure to mention that you are a Kingdom Patriot. Today, unlike some of the other topics we've done, we're going to address this from actually two perspectives. One is biblical and one is constitutional. However, let's talk about the latter first. According to the principles of the United States where we live, when should we engage in civil disobedience? When should we disobey the laws or authorities that have been placed over us? Well, let's look at that constitutional perspective. So I'm going to quote from the Declaration of Independence, and I apologize that it's a little long, but these words are meaty, and we really need to to, uh, study them, to hear them, and let them soak in. So let me start. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. Now, according to the Declaration of Independence, the time to throw off such government is a time when patience has finally worn out. When we have patiently suffered repeated injuries, repeated injuries, and for clarity, I'm talking about the time for throwing off a government is not the first time the government makes a decision that a conservative Christian doesn't like. If you understand the plight of the Founding Fathers, you know that they petitioned the king, they communicated, they asked for representation, and over and over they were rebuffed and were relegated to suffer at his hands with any potential, without any potential, for recourse. Having come to the conclusion that peaceful petition would not yield any change, the Founding Fathers issued this declaration so that the entire world could see that the quest for independence was not without cause or merit. Here are some of the injuries that that included. The king would not pass 
or would not allow the colonies to pass laws just for everyday governance. In fact, he required his approval for every law, but neglected to give his assent to the law. So he said, I'm the only one that can make your laws or approve your laws, but then he would refuse to actually do that. He required the colonies to relinquish representation in legislature in order for him to assent to any laws. The king would regularly call assemblies of the legislature that were almost impossible for the colonies to meet. He dissolved representative houses repeatedly to demonstrate his ability to do the invasion of personal rights or private rights. He obstructed the administration of judges. He made the judges dependent on his will alone for both their tenure and their wage. He created new government offices, and he sent his officers to implement those. Even in time of peace, he kept standing armies without the consent of the legislature. He effectively rendered the military independent and superior to civilian power and authority. He quartered large bodies of armed troops among the colonies. And he even protected the armies from any type of punishment despite the murders that they may have committed. He cut off trade for the, for the colonies to the rest of the world. And he imposed taxes without their consent. He deprived the colonies of trial by jury. He took away their charters and he abolished many of their valuable laws. The king plundered the colonies seized, he ravaged their coasts, burnt their towns, and destroyed the lives of people. At every stage of these oppressions, the colonies petitioned for redress in the most humble terms, yet each petition was answered by more repeated injury. Thus, this quote was also found in the Declaration, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. So why did I spend the last few minutes reading this from the Declaration of Independence? I read it so you could understand several things. And those several things, or I would almost call them stages, is stage one, the colonies faced continual injuries and persecution from their government. In stage two, they actually petitioned many times for those issues to be resolved and to have their voice heard. But as it continued to progress in stage three, those injuries and violations were only met with further constitutional persecutions. And lastly, stage four, this was their last resort. They declared their independence and prepared for war. So where are we now in that process? I want to clearly state my position for clearly those government authorities who are listening in onto my podcast, such as the NSA. I do not believe we're at stage four, and I'm not advocating preparation for war, at least not a physical war. We certainly are in a spiritual war. But we're also clearly past stage one. Conservative Christians in this nation are clearly being met with injury and persecution on a fairly widespread basis. Not to the point necessarily that the colonists did, but the government bureaucracy is not even shy now about showing its disdain for traditional conservative Christian values that our nation was founded upon. We truly have entered the day where the Bible says they will call what is good evil and what is evil good. I personally believe that we are in the midst of a back and forth of stage two and three, and that is why the Kingdom Patriot Group was formed, to petition, to be united, and to unite the voices of faith and freedom to return a nation to those founding principles, but to do so with the gentle and humble and yet resolute, solid nature of Christ. So constitutionally speaking, we should be pushing back more than ever. Our voices need to be heard. We don't ever want to be in stage four. Now, from a biblical perspective, I want to preface this discussion that here I'm not going to lay out the exact answer to the question, when should we obey those in authority over us? Because that's not really the issue. We're going to actually talk about principles. And I believe you have to personally pray and pray to the Lord and you seek Christ for his direction and you consider these principles in the process. So here's a couple of scriptures that I, wanna, I want us to consider and discuss. First is Romans 13, 1 through 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except for that which God has established. 
The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. That seems to be pretty clear. We are to obey those who have placed authority over us. We also read the scripture in Galatians 5, 1 through 2. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, the reason I bring that one up is I actually don't believe this is a call for us to push back and tout our freedom. But it is used a lot in the conservative Christian circles. I've heard it a ton as a reason that we must be free people. But my concern in that is I don't think we should take scripture out of context. It is not a justification for disobedience. I believe in this example, Paul is actually talking about the yoke of slavery, uh, referring to circumcision and the law and having freedom in Christ. But I do believe there are other examples in Scripture that call us to rebel. I don't believe that the obedience to our government and those governing authorities is absolute. So again, as a general rule, the Lord calls us to this authority, to obey this authority. But you also have to know what the heart of Christ is. So I'm going to read a couple examples. For example, in Jeremiah, we see the Israelites exiled to Babylon, and the Lord told them to accept this faith, that they were to flourish in captivity upon the promise that they would be rescued one day. On the other hand, in Exodus, we learn that the Lord says, I have heard the cry and suffering of my people, and then ultimately instructs his people to rebel and escape Pharaoh in a call to obedience. And the Lord delivers Israel in a miraculous way. We'll come back to that in a second. So when is it clear to rebel against those in authority? Well, first, when that authority instructs you to do something that is completely contrary to God's word. For example, let's say our government mandated abortion. Don't think that would ever happen? How about in Exodus when Pharaoh instructed all the male babies to be killed at birth? The Israelite women did not obey the command of Pharaoh, and the Lord blessed them for it. This was clear disobedience from a biblical perspective. We are not, if we are instructed not to preach the word of God, this happened to the disciples repeatedly, yet they continued to preach the gospel. This is also biblical disobedience to government authorities. If the government authorities instruct us to sin, for example, to commit murder, to cheat, to steal, to engage in carnal or pagan practices, these are clear reasons for biblical disobedience. Other examples would include to engage in same-sex marriages. While I would tell you that I respect a person's choice to engage in the practice or sin of their choice, as a Christian, I have to push back in civil disobedience because our laws that redefine biblical marriage are not biblical. But what about those issues that are not so clear in Scripture? For example, unfair tax structures, speed limits, unfair laws, mandated insurance such as Obamacare, mandated vaccines and masks. These become more complicated because they might be more appropriate labeled, as I would say, in the gray. So we are left to apply what we learn in Scripture and extrapolate Christ's intent in our daily lives. So here are the principles that we need to understand, embrace, and live by. First, we are, a call, we are called to obey our government. But second, obedience to government is not absolute. We cannot compromise the preaching of God's word for the sake of obedience to the government. So what are the, some of the things that we learn from Exodus? Well, there is a time to rebel and a time to fight. We must cry out to God. We also have to trust God and we must listen to God. There will be time for action, such as when he told the Israelites, the time is now, you must leave. If the Lord's in it, he will provide deliverance. And in the case of Exodus, when the Israelites left Egypt, that deliverance was miraculous. Well, what do we learn from Jeremiah? That sometimes captivity and oppression is even God's will. Sometimes it's punishment. Sometimes it's discipline for our own disobedience. We must learn to be content in our circumstances. 
But being content does not mean that we can't pray for deliverance. We must seek the Lord with all of our hearts because the Lord's deliverance is coming. It'll be in his timing and in his will. But what about a couple other areas of the Bible that give us some guidance? How about Esther? If many of you know the story of Esther, who was chosen by King Xerxes as his bride. Well, the Lord appoints times and individuals where we must act in bravery, just as Esther did when she defied the rule that no one could go unannounced before the king without the penalty of death. And even though the king's decree that the Israelites were to be wiped out couldn't be reversed, God made another path because the Israelites ultimately defended themselves as the Jews assembled to attack those that were bent on destroying them. What about what do we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or Daniel? Well, we learn that worship the king or his government or an idol in place of God is never allowed, and that there may be harsh punishment handed down from those in authority over us for that disobedience, but that God has shown a history of deliverance for this type of disobedience and rebellion. One other thing we learn, what, I love this quote from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, we will not bow down and worship you, king. Our God is able and will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we are still not going to bow down. Regardless of what the circumstances showed, they were not going to place a king or a government above God. And again, as we mentioned earlier, what do we learn about the disciples? They were repeatedly banned from preaching the gospel. Yet they disobeyed these edicts because they knew that they were called to preach. Now, I think we're probably a ways away from the outright banning and preaching of God's word or even worshiping. But never forget that the government's appetite for control is always progressing and is always insatiable. We are already seeing that if a pastor preaches the Bible and calls same-sex marriage a sin, that he's actually committing discrimination at best and a hate crime at worst. There are open calls for shutting down pastors, for censorship, and even criminal prosecution of such pastors. So while I don't think we'll wake up tomorrow and find out that you can no longer preach God's word, this is, this is the mantra of the left. This is the mantra of the progressive movement. It is progressive. It is incremental. And it won't stop with outright banning. It will just start with banning content. Certain aspects of the Bible are now considered criminal, hate crimes, and so forth, and you just can't preach them. That is where we are definitely headed. We are already seeing it. These are principles that I believe that we can apply to the most egregious actions of the day. For example, and this is a hot topic, so we'll just, we'll just mention it, vaccine mandates. On one perspective, you can argue that the government needs to be obeyed, as we read in Romans. On the other hand, you can say the government is asking us to obey something that they don't have the authority to do. So should we obey something that we know they have not been given the authority to do? And lastly, you can argue that we can't support it regardless of where they have the authority not, because clearly the spirit of the Antichrist is in this vaccine is being used to control how Christians can buy and sell and travel. But at the end of the day, these decisions of obedience must be met with a principled approach, bathed in prayer with the consultation of many. I absolutely believe that there is a time to be biblically disobedient. I also believe that that bar is high. Similar to the constitutional perspective, I don't think biblical disobedience is for light and transient causes, such as I don't like the tax code. But where there is a clear direction that the government's mandates or the government's action is opposed to Christ, we not only have the right, but we have the duty to engage in peaceful civil disobedience. I think as Christians, we need to be super careful in not being disobedient for those light and transient causes, either constitutionally or biblically. But to, to say that there is not a place for biblical disobedience would be incorrect. When we do disobey those authorities for any biblical actions, we are called to make sure our actions lead others to Christ. 
So many times I see Christians standing up with angry defiance that doesn't lead others to Christ, but rather looks nothing more than an angry, in-your-face mob. I think in biblical disobedience, we are called to be gentle, humble, and meek, but with firm, resolute conviction. Fellow Kingdom Patriots, seek God. Carefully pray about these times and situations. Disobedience must be in the right time, the right way, with the right conviction, and with the right leading from the Holy Spirit. Seek the counsel of others. Humbly pray. Ask yourself, is this disobedience I'm about to engage in, is it purely about my rights, or are we standing up against an offense to God? If we do these things, I believe we will find we are not standing alone, but with other kingdom patriots. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, the Law Offices of Joshua Kuhlman. Give him a call today at 214-307-4179 for your criminal defense and personal injury needs. That's 214-307-4179. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Oh,